Welcome to Foresight Friday Roundup, Foresight Health's podcast series for healthcare revolutionaries. Outcomes matter, customers count, and value rules. Hello again, everyone. This is Dave Burdick, news editor at Foresight Health. It is Friday, September 23rd. Yesterday was the autumnal equinox. What does that mean? It means it's officially fall, my favorite season of the year. Now, here's something you might not know. There's actually an October Lovers Club for students at the University of Illinois. I'm not sure what they do the rest of the year, but next month is going to be wild. I get it. What I don't get is the topic we're going to talk about today on the Roundup, and that's physician burnout and physician adoption of digital health tools. Are they separate issues? Are they related issues? I don't know. Who might know are Dave Johnson, founder and CEO of Foresight Health, and Julie Merchantson, partner at Transformation Capital. But before we say hello to Dave and Julie, I wanted to say hello to the sponsor of the Foresight Friday Roundup podcast, Infor. By connecting the business and mission sides of healthcare, institutions can enhance staff experience and simplify patient interactions. With data-driven insights and greater operational control, our sponsor, Infor, supports your company in making healthcare a calling again for your staff. Hi, Dave. Hi, Julie. How are you guys doing this morning, Dave? What could be better? I got to see Julie in Chicago this week on a beautiful late summer day. We had a wonderful long visit outside, and that's given me more than enough mojo to keep fighting the good fight to make healthcare more accessible and affordable. So thanks for that, Julie. Oh, that's sweet. Good for you guys. Julie, how are you? I'm grounding out a week here in your windy city. And boy, I can I can feel those winds coming in these last few days. It's been great. Now, the weather is changing. And we'll get to more of that in a minute. Now, before we talk about physician burnout and physician use of digital health tools, let's talk about your favorite season of the year. Dave, where does fall rank on your list of seasons and why? Well, probably because I was a soccer player, fall was always my favorite season uh, growing up. And I still enjoy the cool, crisp weather and pulling the sweaters out, which we're probably going to have to do this week. But as I've gotten older, spring has become my favorite season. I marvel at nature's rebirth and renewal, buds on the trees, new shoots in the ground, birds flying north. All of that feeds my optimism and sense that our lives can get better. So spring forward is my new motto. Got it. Thanks, Dave. Julie, would you join the October Lovers Club at the U of I? Why or why not? <laughs> I am a spring summer lover. And having grown up in Florida, living in other climates now where it's not warm 365 days a year makes me like the warmth when I, I can feel it coming my way. But, you know, the first day of that crisp weather we had yesterday here was pretty nice. Good to hear. And we'll see if, well, what do they say in Chicago, Dave? Wait, wait an hour and it'll change. So next week will be 90. We'll see. Thanks, Julie. There, my favorite one, Dave, is there are two seasons in Chicago, winter and construction. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> I agree with you there. Uh, like I said, fall is my favorite season of the year. I even like to rake leaves. So go figure. Now let's figure out what's going on with doctors the Mayo Clinic released its latest study on physician burnout, and the results were pretty scary. It said the percentage of physicians who experienced at least one symptom of burnout jumped to 63% last year from 38% in 2020. The symptoms are emotional exhaustion and depersonalization. 
The percentage of doctors who said they suffered from depression rose to 53% from 50%. The percentage of doctors who said their work schedules don't leave them enough time for their personal or family lives rose to 52% from 37%. And the percentage of doctors who said they would want to be physicians again dropped to 57% from 72%. The study blamed the pandemic for making how doctors feel worse. Dave, what's your reaction to the study results? Is there something more going on here other than the pandemic? And what can the market do to make things right? It's a pretty depressing study. Uh, Burnout among physicians and other clinicians is real. And as you said, it affects patient safety, job satisfaction, and life quality. It's higher among female and minority physicians, also higher among emergency care physicians. And there's still stigma associated with seeking mental health counseling and services. That's improving, but the stigma is still there. So Mayo and others should keep studying this phenomenon and bringing it to our attention. Having said all that, there certainly is a COVID effect in their numbers. Mayo conducted this study during December 2021 and January 2022, when COVID was rampaging and leaving a vast trail of death and disease in its wake. And even though COVID was present during the 2020 comparison study, it was still relatively new and physicians were drawing on their emotional and physical reservoirs to rise to the occasion and treat the pandemic. By the time the December, January spike came around, many of those reservoirs were were depleted, which I think led to the increases you described. The statistician in me would like to measure COVID-specific effect by comparing physician burnout rates over the time horizon to burnout rates in other professions, if that's possible. My guess is that they would be higher in medicine than, than other professions. So real problem. And so if I'm right about this, it does suggest that there's more to higher burnout rates among physicians than just COVID-related exhaustion. You know, thinking about this question for the podcast, I was reminded of Joseph Heller's best-selling book from the early 60s, Catch-22. And I've come to the conclusion that American physicians are caught in a Catch-22 circumstance. In Heller's novel, the main character, Yossarian, he's a great character, by the way, if you haven't read that book. Yossarian seeks a psych evaluation to get out of flying very dangerous bombing runs. The doctor tells him any sane person would have to be crazy to want to fly in those missions. Therefore, Yossarian must be sane and cannot be grounded. He has to fly the mission. Here's the actual conversation from the book. Yossarian, you mean there's a catch? Doc, sure, there's a catch. Catch 22. Anyone who wants to get out of combat duty isn't really crazy. Catch-22 has come into our lexicon today to mean any situation that forces individuals to behave in illogical ways. Medicine now forces doctors to spend two to three times as much time on administrivia as they do with patients. That's really crazy. Here's a Yosarian-like conversation that must occur in every hospital in the country every week. Administrator, if you want to be a doctor, then you have to practice in this way. Think less time with patients, over-treating, under-treating, documentation, enhanced billing, all that crap. Doctor, what if I don't want to practice in this way? Administrator, then you can't be a doctor. No wonder there's burnout, increased depression, and less desire to be a physician. 
In terms of what the market can do about it, there's a huge opportunity to design and execute value-based business models again that let doctors be doctors without the catch-22 administrivia and other nonsense. Last week, Julie mentioned in her comments that we need to make medicine more than a job. It needs to become a calling again. The market can help by creating companies that actually solve consumers' real healthcare problems with clinicians, including doctors, who experience real joy in helping people lead healthier, more productive lives. Amen to that, huh? <laughs> That's great, Dave. I love the literary analogy there that really worked. Thank you. Julie, any questions for Dave? So, Dave, do you feel like we are maybe bottoming out in this curve, or do you think we have a little bit farther to go? And what do you see any levers besides technology enablement to get us out of this? Well, it, it certainly peaked last December, January, and, and we're probably down from those numbers. But to me, the long-term trend is increasing, and that's really worrisome. So, yeah, we're nowhere near cratering or leveling out. We had a bump, it's come down, but the tide is not going in the right direction. You know, and there's probably some of this that's tied to the great resignation that's affecting all sectors of the economy. But your last question is really pretty interesting. And tech enablement's important, but I think even more important than tech enablement is business model change. Providers that accept full-risk contracting can overcome medicine's catch-22 and create work environments that align the way physicians and other clinicians want to practice with the way that consumers and patients want to receive care. Oh, happy day to that. I agree with that. (laughs) I think that's the title of another book. Thanks, Dave. Okay, let's talk about physicians' use of digital health technologies, courtesy of a new study by the American Medical Association. The AMA asked physicians about their use of seven different types of digital health tools. And in each case, adoption rose this year compared with 2019 when the AMA conducted a similar survey. For example, use of telemedicine jumped to 80% from 28%. Letting consumers access clinical data rose to 68% from 58%. And the use of point of care and workflow management and enhancement tools rose to 58% from 47%. Ask why they're going digital. The top reasons were improved clinical outcomes and improved work efficiency. Further down the list were less stress and less burnout. Julie, what's your reaction to the results? Do they reflect what you're hearing in the market? And what do you think about the connection between adoption and burnout? So, I mean, I have to say this is music to my ears and we should be celebrating a lot of what is in the survey. You know, one important stat, Dave, that you didn't mention that I saw as being the most powerful stat was that physicians are expanding their toolkits and the average number of digital health tools used per physician has grown from 2.2 in 2016 to 3.8 this year. It doesn't sound like big movement, I know, but it's the most encouraging thing I read. 20% of physicians are now using AI and another 40% say they plan to try it in the next year. Same goes for things like digital therapeutics biometrics authentication, precision and personalized medicine. And, you know, these all have low usage currently, but lots of interest in adopting the technology in the near future, which is great. 
this is encouraging to me because it demonstrates a willingness to leverage new information, new data, and most of it probably technologically delivered in their practice of medicine, right? And this is the change vector. And we talk a lot about digital health and technology and all of that. And I think, frankly, it's a little scary to clinicians to be thinking, or probably very scary, to be thinking about what's going to replace me and, you know, can I rely on this? Physicians understand data. They've been trained to rely on data. So if we can start to really reframe how we send the message about some of this, this whole opportunity for them to really view data and new data assets as an assistant to them, I think it'd be really powerful. And I start to see in the numbers too that physicians are seeing where these can be helpful. And I think they're looking at digital health as being most helpful in chronic disease management. And I don't think they're really thinking a lot about preventative care, but they see it being helpful there too. So you're seeing ways in which they're starting to understand, oh, I can get rid of all this documentation and give that to some sort of technological process and I don't have to do it. Okay, that's great. So I was very encouraged by this, to be honest. Yeah, so you're sensing a change in the attitude that's a small but significant. Thanks, Julie. Dave, any questions for Julie? Well, I'm probably going to bring you down a little bit, Julie, but we'll, we'll see where this goes. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> I was struck by that telemedicine use among physician statistic, how it jumped from 28% in 2019 to 80% in 2022. That's a huge jump. Parsing between the data, my guess is telemedicine peaked in 2020 when elective surgeries shut down and there really wasn't any alternative if you wanted to talk to patients. Uh, and we all know that telemedicine's come down since then. So the telemedicine use patterns raise all kinds of questions for me. First of all, shouldn't the telemedicine use percentages have been higher in 2019? 28% seems pretty low. And who are the 20% of physicians that still haven't used telemedicine? Are they Luddites? Do they even have cell phones? Looking forward, do you think the telemedicine use percentages, the statistics will be higher and lower in 2025 when the AMA does its study again? I suspect they'll be lower because everybody's still got 2020 in their minds right now. And I'm beginning to wonder, or maybe not, <laughs> but I am beginning to wonder whether there's an anti-technology, anti-innovation bias built into the physician culture. What do you think? Are physicians holding themselves back and in the process dampening the progress of digital medicine and our transition to the new state? Well, Dave, you said something in there that I think is what these numbers that we're seeing around COVID are always about, which is there was no choice. Telemedicine was the only choice to communicate with patients. And it's so easy to revert back to what you know. And it's very hard to organize your practice, even if it's your day, right, as a solo practitioner or an entire team of clinicians that you might have in your broader medical group or at your health system around telemedicine. I mean, you have to create dedicated time or banks of clinicians who will take those calls or someone who's responsible on the other line for the texting interaction, right? So th this is hard, it's redesign. And I was, I think Dave, I shared this with you when we got together. I spent some time with Roberta Schwartz this week from Houston Methodist, and she's been doing some incredible work, moving all the busy work 
that nurses and doctors have to technology and developing virtual command centers that can manage all the telehealth interactions and can monitor all the things that can be monitored, like vitals and other remote patient monitoring tools. And she's created, you know, just different armies to to do these things that's really alleviating the pressure on certainly those in the acute care center who can just focus on patient care. So when I listen to her talk, it just makes me realize none of us really ever talk about the fact that telemedicine isn't just something that you can do or not do. You have to redesign how you practice medicine around the use of that. And I think that's what we're struggling with in these few years here, trying to get back to what the numbers might look like in 2025, which frankly, I think they might not be higher than 2020 for sure. But I think we're going to see some sort of uptrend, especially because I'm starting to see innovators who are helping health systems create these kinds of approaches. Got it. Yeah. Redesign is hard, but there are solutions out there. Thanks, Julie. Like I said, I don't know what to think. Every doctor I know says they're burned out and every doctor I know complains about technology. So in that regard, they're no different from old journalists, right? (laughs) Time will tell how it all affects consumers. Now let's briefly talk about other news that happened this week. And there was plenty. Julie, what other news happened this week that grabbed your attention? Well, I had my eye on the judge's approval of United Health Group's acquisition of Change Healthcare, which has been going on since January of 2021. <laughs> Talk about a long time. And this is going to give Optum, part of United Health Group, an enormous data asset that they say they'll use for good. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I'd put my money on the opposite of good, but like you said, we'll see. Thanks, Julie. Dave, what other news this week caught your eye? Well, it wasn't other news. It was it was that news. This doesn't happen often, but Julie and I have centered on the same story. And I think it's because it's such a big story. United, in addition to buying change this year, has also acquired the home health giant LHC, Refresh Mental Health, the Kelsey Siebold Clinic, and Healthcare Associates of Texas. It's really going to be interesting to see what they do with all these assets. This was a big loss for the Biden administration in part because they've come up with a novel approach to defining and challenging anti-competitive mergers. Um, Historically, the Justice Department's focused on horizontal mergers, and this was a vertical merger. Um, It's much harder to prove that vertical integration is anti-competitive, and it makes me wonder if this will influence the government's decision on whether to challenge, ultimately challenge Amazon's acquisition of One Medical, which is also a vertical merger. So stay tuned on that. But this is a huge story. I agree. And again, I'll I'll put my money on evil. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I think. All right. Thanks, Dave. And thanks again, Julie. And thanks again to our sponsor, Infor. Infor connects the business and mission sides of healthcare, enhancing the staff experience and simplifying patient interactions with data-driven insights and greater operational control. And that's all the time we have for today. If you'd like to learn more about the topics we discussed on today's show, please visit our website at foresighthealth.com. And don't forget to tell a friend about Foresight Friday Roundup. Subscribe now and don't miss another segment of the best 20 minutes in healthcare. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Burdett for Foresight Health.